Let's uh, read the word of the Lord. This morning, sorry, we don't have the dulcet tones of Stacy Norris. Uh, that was uh, a, a technical mistake on, on my side, uh, but instead, uh, you get me, but that, that's okay because we still get the word of the Lord. So uh, please open your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 13, starting. Oh, there we go. Starting at verse. Mark, that's Mark chapter 13, starting at verse 24. Mark 13, 24. It says this, but in those days following that distress, uh, the sun will be darkened uh, and the moon will, will not give its light. The, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all of these things have happened. Heaven and earth will, will, will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, leaves his house, uh, puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Let's um, pray. This uh, prayer, this um, Advent prayer on the screen. Um, let's read it all together. Eternal One, we wonder and marvel at your constancy. You alone are steadfast and wavering across the ages. You, remembering, gathering a covenant people. You, remembering, fulfilling your covenant promises. You, patiently tending your family tree. You remembering us, we remembering you and your greatness. Hallelujah to our Saviour and King, crowned and coming, whose kingdom knows no end. This uh, morning begins Advent, the start of a new church year. So, Happy New Year. Turn to your neighbour, say Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the first time we've had Happy New Year at the beginning of December. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, but this is because it's the start of a new church year, year B, in the Revised Common Lectionary. So what I'd like this, uh, Advent morn this, this Advent morning as we open this Advent door to this new year is to start by reading a couple of our lectionary scriptures this morning and then pausing a moment after each. And actually... Um, Ariana, let's get that uh, nice music going uh, for this little bit. So if we can have the uh, audio on, have this nice little music just to help people have a moment to pause and quiet. So I'll, I'll start by reading a scripture and then we'll just meditate on that for uh, just a few seconds. This is one of our lectionary readings this morning. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold on you hold of you. 
No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. So let's pause for a moment from the litanies and the lists and the responsibilities and let's just be present now and simply pray this prayer. Jesus, show me your face. Let's take 30 seconds and just pray this prayer quietly. Jesus, show me your face. The next uh, lectionary uh, verses from Psalm 80. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You've made them drink tears by the bowlful. So let's maintain this pause as we lean into our longing for God himself. Often the sadness that we feel and the emptiness we feel hides a longing for God, a longing that only he can meet. So lean into that longing for a few moments, just thinking about that psalm, and just say, make your face shine on us. Make your face shine on us. Let's take a few seconds in quiet meditation. Amen. We can uh, bring that uh, lovely music to. I actually want to just. Why don't we just sit here and quiet and just listen to this for the next half an hour? That would make me quite happy. <laughs> uh, when when we're in uh, Wales, uh, if you're ever meeting someone or uh, or if you're planning to do anything in Wales, at some point in the conversation, there's a good chance that you will hear these words now in a minute now in a minute it goes like this okay so um husband says this to the wife let's go man come on i'm starving for a half and half karimi you understand what i said wife flipman i'll be there now in a minute like okay yeah anyone who's been to wales yeah can i testify and yeah i saw a nod there number two Mum talking to a child, mum, not being funny or anything, but your room is a full-on pigsty. Ach, vi, sort it out. Child, no worries, I'll do it now in a minute. Mum, where are you two? Child, in the bog. Mum, fair dues. Is it, do you understand this is mostly English? The language that you speak? Hands up if you understood much of what you just heard. <laughs> Uh, if you want to know what it means, you can come talk to me afterwards. I'll be uh, happy to tell you what in the bog means. 
It's actually in the toilet, so that's just a little uh, thing, yeah. <laughs> when the Welsh say now in a minute, it means exactly what it says. It will happen. That's a guarantee. But when will it happen? Well, now and in a minute. Uh, in Canada, we might say soonish or nowish, something like that, soon. And when it comes to Advent, now in a minute is actually a good phrase to hold on to. There's a sense of urgency, of imminence now, but there's also a not yet component in a minute. Um, listen to these words from uh, Martin Copenhaver, who says this, it can seem strange at first to begin our anticipation of the birth of Jesus by being exhorted to wait for his coming again. After all, this talk of Jesus' return seems out of sequence because in the context of the liturgical year that we just started today, we are still awaiting his birth. In one important respect, however, it is entirely fitting because it places us squarely with those who awaited the birth of the Messiah. Neither those who awaited the first coming of the Messiah nor those who now await his return know when he will appear, end quote. So we are all waiting. You know, the Jews at the start of the Gospels were waiting for the Messiah to come for the first time, and we, his followers in the centuries since his ascension, are waiting for his return, his coming again again, the return of the king. Uh, The context of Mark chapter 13 is that Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem with his disciples. It's awe-inspiring. If you can imagine not being in Cornerstone Church, that's not very awe-inspiring, but being in a cathedral, something like that. You're looking up and around and people and and, uh, Jesus's apprentices are in awe. And one of them makes a comment on the size of the stones. And Jesus responds to this disciple's understandable awe and excitement with a phrase that can only be described as a bit of a downer. Jesus is being a bit of a downer here. He says this, do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Jesus then unpacks this apocalyptic scenario where there will be wars, false messiahs, earthquakes, famines, and he says that these are the beginning of birth pains. Mark 13 verse 8, these are the beginning of birth pains. Uh, Verse 9, he then talks about persecution, about floggings in the synagogues, witnessing to kings and to governors, preaching the gospel to all nations, being arrested and supernaturally receiving words from the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, he talks about families who are going to fall apart on account of Jesus. Maybe you've experienced this, that you've had a fallout in your family on account of your faith in Jesus. And if you think that Trump is a divisive figure, then try talking about Jesus at your family gatherings over Christmas. Verse 14 and on, Jesus cryptically drops the name of this thing called the abomination of, of desolation. And I love it. He just, he, he drops that word. He doesn't explain what it is at all. And then he just moves on. Um, he says that everyone's going to be running for their lives at this time as false messiahs pop up here, there, and everywhere. There's going to be this massive you know, cosmic fallout, verse 24 and on. And then it says that the Son of Man will come in clouds with great power and glory. Now, after all that, I can imagine that the disciple who made the original comments on the stones is wishing he'd kept his big mouth shut. That's not what he wanted to hear. 
Scott Bullock sums up Mark 13 for us. Uh, He says this. Let's see, where is it? Okay, he says this, that the disciples of Jesus may have scratched their heads, dumbfounded by Jesus' calculus at first. Huh? What did he mean? Only time and experience would make Jesus' horrifying prediction more sensible. Mark's audience, on the other hand, so he's separating the difference between Mark's audience and the, and the disciples. Mark's audience, on the other hand, who were most likely Gentile converts living in Rome in the late 60s CE, and of course any of, of the remaining disciples would have found Mark 13 quite incisive. And he explains why. Because General Titus was crushing or had crushed the Jewish revolt and and its temple mount when Mark's words reached the ears of his audience. While the temple precinct flamed, the hearers of Mark's gospel would have marveled at Jesus's prediction, the end is near, so let's get ready. End, end quote. Isn't that amazing that these words recorded by Mark made little sense at the time of Jesus saying them, but, that, but by the time that Mark's readers heard these words, read these words, it would have been shocking to know that what Jesus predicted had already happened, which was the fall of Jerusalem. Now, of course, in this passage, not everything in Mark 13 had been fulfilled. There's a lot of language in Mark 13 that appears to be talking about not just a future event, but a future, future event. Stars falling, the Son of Man coming on clouds with great power, angels gathering the elect. This seems to be talking about something that will happen in the future, future. Again, it's the now in a minute principle. This is what's happening now. This is what will happen in a minute. So now is the end of Jerusalem in a minute, is the end of the world as we know it. They're both major events, they're both apocalyptic events, bringing to the end um, an era. But one was national in its impact, the other seems to be universal or cosmic in its scope, now in a minute. Now, what I want to do is to focus a little on this idea of now. I'm just going to make sure I'm... uh, There we go. Okay, good. Here we go. Yes. So let's look at the now. Uh, Verse 28 says this. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender, its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what does it mean to be living in a way that you are ready for the second advent of Jesus? Verse 29. What does it mean to live in a way that you are ready for the second advent of Jesus when you see these things happening? you know that it is near right at the door. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month, next year, maybe 10 years time. The season of Advent is actually helpful because it gets us into this mindset of watching and waiting. We know that Christmas is coming. The countdown is on. Um, There are four candles we need to light there's X number of shopping days. We look for signs that Christmas is getting closer and closer. I just had a chat yesterday with a young lad and I said, are you excited about Christmas? And he said, no. But his mum then said, as Christmas gets closer and closer, he will get more excited because we're looking for those signs. 
Uh, the first, one of the signs maybe uh, that we all um, understand or empathize with is the first Christmas song that you hear. What was the first Christmas song that you heard this year? I wonder. Mine was, All I Want for Christmas is You. That was the, the one. But the first Christmas, but, but that's one thing. But then there's also the first Christmas song you willingly choose to listen to. You intentionally play. Mine was Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues and Kirsty McCall. If you don't know that one, uh, I enjoy it. It's a good one. Fairy Tale of New York. But that's the one that I chose to listen to. And Jesus is saying that as you observe the twigs and the leaves of the fig tree, that this fig tree is preparing you for summer, that something is coming, that it's saying that this change, this new season is right at the door. It is now. So this is that now aspect of it. But there's also an in a minute aspect to it. And we see that in verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each you with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, with the rooster, when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone altogether watch. Here Jesus seems to be saying no one knows when he will be coming back. Even Jesus doesn't know. And so we see a sort of a balancing act here. On the one hand is uh, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near right at the door. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, Jesus said this, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. So you know it's right at the door. You do not know the hour. No one knows. Both of these are words from Jesus said seconds apart. And probably most of us fall into one of two camps. Some of us, we are too specific we want all the details. We have convinced ourselves that Jesus is coming. He's on his way because of this thing that's happening in the Middle East or Russia or because of, of this particular prophecy that we believe has been fulfilled. Because of this sign or that sign, we think that Jesus is maybe just a week away. That's what the church in, in, in Thessalonica thought. Um, I was talking about the church in Thessalonica just a couple of Sundays ago, and this church struggled because they, there were people in that church that had stopped working because they believed that the second coming was either right there on the cusp or it had actually already begun. And so they thought, why do I need to work if Jesus is going to be coming back like tomorrow? And so they stopped wor working. So Paul in Second Thessalonians actually has to tell them to work, and if they don't work, then they don't eat, Right? Because they, were so, because they were so specific. And we've had, of course, doomsday prophets throughout human history. Uh, 2012, I don't know if you remember back then, but it was the year of the apparent Maya apocalypse. Um, nothing to do with my daughter, um, but the 
civilization said that there would be an apocalypse on that day. Uh, there was also this guy called Harold Camping, who made as many as 12 end of the year, end of the year, end of the world predictions. Uh, imagine being Harold Camping the morning after the 11th or the 12th one, and uh, you know, your daughter or whatever rings you up, and it's like, still here, you know, awkward family functions, I think. There was even this hen in England in 1806 who laid eggs with the words, Christ is coming on them, okay? And uh, everyone freaked out until someone uh, discovered that the owner had written Christ is coming on the egg and then reinserted them back into the hen. I think that maybe Peter would have been... uh, all over that. Peter, not Simon Peter, but P-E-T-A. Yeah, they'd have been all over that. That's not a very nice thing to do. So yeah, we can be too specific. We can make an idol of dates and times and places. But on the other hand, we can also be too vague. Hey, don't worry. Jesus is coming when he's coming. There's nothing that we can do uh, to hasten, which is actually isn't true. Because in the Bible, it says, you know, that yeah, the gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. So we do have a role in the uh, in when that time is um so if you're on the vague side of things listen to jesus's words therefore keep watch you do not know when the owner of the house will 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 come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows are at dawn if he comes suddenly do not let him find you sleeping what i say to you i say to everyone watch so I wonder which way do you lean? Do you lean towards the, the now, the specifics, or do you lean to the, towards the in a minute? Uh, are you too vague? Either way, the word from Christ is clear. It's watch, watch. So while we're on the subject of looking for signs, um, let me confess something to you. I've been looking for signs from God recently. Uh, this summer... Here's, here's a bit of a story. Uh, this summer, Wendy and I were at the Canadian Wesleyan uh, Church National Conference in Calgary, and I was invited while I was there to join a team going on a Wesleyan mission trip yeah, to Bangladesh in January 2024. And the, uh, because like the Lord's moving over there. There's been over 60 churches planted there recently. And so, and so they wanted to send a team over there to witness what's happening and to encourage the pastors there. And I was invited to be part of the team. And uh, I didn't give it much thought, if I'm honest. And so I come home from the conference and there on my fridge is a prayer card for Bangladesh. And this wasn't from a Wesleyan missions group, or it, it was from OM, which is the organization we used to be with on the ship. So there's not a connection there at all, but there it was. And on that day, here's what I wrote in my journal. I want to read this to you because it's, it's, uh, th- these are the reasons why, oh, and here's, here's the card itself. Um, but here's what I wrote in my journal. I said, Peter Moore invited me me to Bangladesh, a national conference. Today I came home to this on the fridge, the only country prayer card. My interest is piqued. Lord, if this is you, I ask for another confirmation. I ask for another sign. Uh, And uh, after that, again, I didn't really give it so much thought because, you know, weirder things have happened. 
And also at that time, I'd moved into youth pastoring as well as senior pastor, pastoring. So, you know, there wasn't a ton of um, space left in my, um, my bandwidth necessarily. And I didn't mention this to anyone except to Wendy. Uh, two weeks go by, and it's the 7th of September. I've gone and installed ChatGPT on my phone, and uh, Stacy and I are having lunch, as we often do, and I said to Stacy, hey, I have this new app. It's uh, artificial intelligence. Ask ChatGPT anything. And Stacy's like, I don't know what to ask. And I said, anything. Ask any question at all. And uh, after a bit of humming and hawing, Stacy um, asked this question. She said, what is the population of Bangladesh? And I had one of those moments where it's like, I'm not out of body or out of mind, but it was like very, very weird and odd. And I asked her the question because, you know, she probably, except for Wendy, Stacy knows most of what's going on because, you know, we just talk a lot. And, uh, and I said, why did you ask that question? Had I mentioned it to you at all? And she said, no, I don't know why I asked it. Just that's the question that came to my mind. Um, and uh, so I write this down in my journal. I ask God for a confirmation and he gives me two signs, um, which is amazing. Life then happens, doing senior pastoring, youth pastoring, planning, organization, time management. There's the fall launch. There's funerals, family stuff, counseling, all this stuff's going on. It's a lot. And my folks are coming on uh, over after Christmas. And so I reach this point in my head where I go, I'm never going to go to Bangladesh. It's just not even on the radar. And so I quietly write it off. Uh, however, I do get a couple of nudges from the Holy Spirit where he says to me, have you asked me about this? Have you prayed about this? And, um, and I don't. I don't think I'm being rebellious, but I, I just think that God understands what's, what's happening in my life. Um, and uh, even though he gave me these two signs, he's okay because things have changed. Uh, it's now 14th of November. Um, life is here and Bangladesh is way over there. And I know it's finally time for me to get on the computer and write to Peter Moore, who's the team leader, to let him know that I will no longer be going. So I open up my email and uh, for whatever reason, his name I blank on his name, like I've known him for years, but I blank on his name. So I'm like, oh, flip, what's his name? Uh, so I searched the word Bangladesh in my email because I know that we've emailed back and forth a, a few times. And, uh, and so the emails show up on my laptop with the keyword Bangladesh in them. And I notice that there's one email with the word, uh, with the word Bangladesh that is unread. It was just sent a couple of days before, 11th of November, but I've not yet read it. And it's from another mentor of mine. It's nothing to do with the trip, nothing to do with the Wesleyan Church. And he's writing to a group of pastors. And this guy, Chris, writes a couple of words of encouragement. And then he writes these words. He says, and yesterday I was able to see God touch the heart of a man from Bangladesh here in Winnipeg. Expect Expect the Lord to move, even if you see nothing with your physical eyes currently. And all I can see in that email, even though there are other words, the only words I can see at that moment 
is the word Bangladesh and then expect God to move even if you see nothing with your physical eyes currently. So three signs, um, a prayer card on my fridge, a random question asked to chat GPT and an email that I only opened because I couldn't remember my team leader's name. And this last sign uh, had a promise attached to it, expect the Lord to move even if you see nothing with your physical eyes currently and each time I tell this story you may have heard it before because I've been sharing uh, uh, with a few people but every time I tell this story I say this I opened my email to cancel my place on the trip I closed my email having emailed a travel agent to book a flight okay that's what happened in those 15 minutes I cannot explain it except that it is God. God stopped me in my tracks with a sign. And if I'm honest, things haven't changed. I'm still quite knackered. I still have the same things on my list of things to do. In fact, now that list has grown because now I have to prepare for a trip, support, raise, visa, vaccination, find someone to preach while I'm away, figure out what's happened to youth while I'm away. So actually, I have more to do than I did before. Um, But knowing that God is in it has changed absolutely everything. He will go ahead of me. He will see me through the hard times. He will see me through, through the tough times or the times when I cannot see how it's all going to get done. This is my now in a minute moment with God. He's here now telling me that he's going to be there in a minute when I'm flying to Bangladesh at the end of January. And he can do the same for you. One of our lectionary texts this morning says this, since ancient times, no one has heard, no one has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah 64, 4. And I believe that as I wait on him for this Bangladesh trip, I'm going to see him move. He will act on my behalf as I wait for him. I don't need to have all of the details figured out right now. And as we go through this Advent season, as we're reminded of this now in a minute second coming of Christ, let's be ready. Let's, be, let's, let's look for signs that God is at work. Let's actually give ourselves time and space to hear from him and to respond to him. Let's feel free to not have to have all of the details worked out yet. This, this Advent, as we think about Christ's second coming, let's not be too specific, but let's not be too vague either. Instead, I want to encourage us to live as people who live next to a fault zone, an earthquake zone. Okay, you know that it may be tomorrow. It may be later today. That folks near a fault line know that the earth is building up to an eventual shake, an earthquake, even if they don't know exactly when. So it may be now, but it may be later. Now in a minute. And at that time, as Mark 13 says, that when the earth shakes, it will make some noise. And so with this mindset, let's reject being overly specific that the earthquake's going to come tomorrow at 2 p.m. And let's also reject being too vague. Oh, it'll happen at some point in the future, probably not even my, my generation, so I don't have to worry about anything. 
We can reject these equal and opposite mistakes and instead we can live ready. We can observe the times. We can be prepared. We can live expectant. And we can say to Jesus, when are you coming back? And Jesus says to us, I'll be there now in a minute. As we, pr- as we close, let's pray this prayer, this uh, prayer of confession. Almighty God, you have surprised us with your presence in unexpected ways. In the expectations of our routine, we have missed the treasure that you, that you, you place before us. We, we come to worship you in community, often expecting nothing more than the usual. We begin our days, our weeks, assuming that all will run as it always has. We do not look for the unexpected, for your active presence in our daily lives. And for that, we confess our sorrow. Would you forgive us for not allowing our eyes to catch the, the unexpected, to glimpse your glory in the ordinary? May this season we see the presence of your Son by the power of your Spirit in new and transformative ways. Amen. Let me leave you with these words from the uh, lectionary, from uh, one of our lectionary readings. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, here it is, you do not lack any spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm, firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.